Welcome to episode number 26 of When Fear Reigns. I'm Ben Workentine, joined as always by the illustrious Dr. John Parlow. Thanks, okay. Thanks you. Thanks the illustriousness. Yeah, the illustriousness. Word. Uh, I'm trying to go for maybe thinking about adding your royal highness or your excellency. What's and I'm your sure preference? our listeners too are coming up with a, a number of other descriptors and titles for me, and they're not even related to me. <laughs> Um, so thank you for tuning in to episode 26. I wanted to let you know uh, that we're going to tell you about some special episodes that are coming up, but I'll share more of those details at the end of our episode today. So make sure you stay tuned. Today's topic is really important. I'm glad we're addressing it. I think it, I hear this objection that Jesus never claimed to be God from professors, from PhDs, from people who think of themselves as very intelligent. In fact, biblical scholar and agnostic Bart Ehrman writes about his book, How Jesus Became God. During his lifetime, Jesus himself didn't call himself God, didn't consider himself God, and none of his disciples had any inkling at all that he was God. So it's good for us to talk about it and to understand what exactly the Bible says about Jesus, what Jesus says about himself. So let's dig in. John, before we get into whether or not Jesus claimed to be God, let's talk about what's at stake. Why is this such an important question to answer for every Jesus follower? Is Jesus God? Well, we would say because our eternity hangs in the balance. If, if Jesus is just a mere man who had a delusion that he was God, we're still in our sins, as the Apostle Paul says, and there's really no hope for us. We also really have no greater purpose on earth than to just survive. And if I have to eat my neighbor or kill my neighbor or steal from my neighbor, just as long as the strong survive, that's fine. You know, it's a survival of the fittest. So I would say from a, a, a Jesus follower perspective, it's all about eternity hangs in the balance. We as Christ followers believe that people are all going to spend eternity one of two places. And without Jesus, we're all headed toward the one place that we really truly deserve, and that's an eternity separated from God. I always, I always think it's interesting, and I know we'll, we'll touch on this somewhat in this lesson, is uh, people say, well, Jesus was just a man. And I always see, all, all from the different world religions, either they'll let him be a man, mm-hmm. but not God, mm-hmm. or they'll say, no, he can be God. But not a man. Now, a lot of people like the like the agnostics today, and and maybe those that are, are um, the nuns, the religiously unaffiliated, would say, "Well, we believe Jesus was just a really good teacher, but he's not God." And you hear that said, said a lot. He's a great teacher, wonderful example, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But then you have the Eastern religions that seem to be gaining more traction now, especially among the younger generations, where they say, "Oh yeah, we believe Jesus is God." But we're all part of God. That's that pantheism or the New Age movement or, in some cases, some cults like the Mormons who say, well, sure. Jesus was a man that became God and you can do the same. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, Became I, a God. A God, yeah. Eternity hangs in the balance. And that's the yeah. way I, I would tell you that. That's why it's important for our listeners to be able to always be prepared to give an answer, literally, yeah. right? To give a defense yep. of what yep. you believe when you're asked. Yeah. And just so that we're clear, because I think a lot of people who are skeptical will say, well, because so much is invested in it, therefore you're not going to ask real questions. You're not going to be honest about this. And I think the flip side is also true. You want to get this right. It's not just you want to be land on the side that Jesus is God, but you want to get this right because if Jesus isn't, then why waste your time? Like the, it's all kinds of hoops to jump through and traditions and on and on and on. This is a question that is really important to not just have an answer, but to have the right answer. Correct. And, and be able to answer people's good questions without just always saying, well, that's what the Bible says. Right. That's right. what my pastor says. Right. Those things might be true. And they're gen- good sources. But general, the Bible would be a really good source. Okay, Ben? Remember, Ben said that. Bible, yes. really yeah. good source. But You can uh, email I, me at john.parlo <laughs> yeah, at... Yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. So, all right. All right. So, 
if that's what's at stake, let's talk. Let's get into the meat of it. Did Jesus claim to be God? Let's let's walk through. And I, I, in preparation for this, I just thought I, I'd go ahead and share what I've shared in series over the years with the congregation in general, what I've shared at, in adult confirmation classes, and even uh, when I taught uh, the child confirmation before we went to the whole parent-led, which I think is yeah. better. But first of all, everyone will tell you Jesus, uh, the Bible tells us Jesus had divine names. He allowed himself to be called by the names and used the names himself that only God can use. You look at uh, John 1, 1, where it says, uh, the word was God. Now, of course, you have the, I believe it's the Jehovah's Witnesses who say, no, the word was a God. Yeah, but the, yeah. if you know the Greek grammar there, it rules out that translation. Uh, you have Thomas uh, addressing Jesus, the risen Savior, as my Lord and my God in John chapter 20, verse 28. Mm-hmm. Notice Jesus doesn't correct him and go, no, I'm just a man. Right. No, he accepts that worship, that, that uh, title of God. You see that in Second Peter chapter 1. Where the, the again the Greek is real obvious that he's talking about Jesus being Lord and Savior. Hebrews chapter one, um, eight and nine talk about God the Father's testimony to Christ's deity. Twice he addresses him as God. Finally, in First John chapter five verse twenty, refers to Jesus as the true God and eternal life. So the Bible clearly gives Jesus divine names, and you can the fact that he even has divine claims. Mm-hmm. Jesus claimed to be God in John chapter ten. Verse 30, a passage that we have a lot of people memorize or at least know where it's at, where Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Again, the Greek tells us that that word one, and you know that because you studied it as well, mm-hmm. is a neuter gender, uh, indicating Jesus is one in essence with the Father, not just one in purpose, because that's what a lot of people will say, especially the Jehovah's Witnesses will say, no, he's just one in purpose. No, no, it's one in in very essence, and that's really important. John chapter 8, verse 58 Jesus says that astonishing claim where he says, um, he's the great I am, Mm -hmm, which was mm -hmm. the title God told Moses to tell the people about when it came to, who sent you? Well, the great I am sent you. That's Exodus 3.14, Yahweh. If Jesus was just merely claiming to be a pre-existing being like some claim, he would have said before Abraham was born, I was, but instead he says, I am, uh, claiming to be God himself. Mm -hmm. In fact, not only is he claiming to be God, but the religious professionals of the day who were listening to him make that claim understood clearly he was claiming to be God mm-hmm. because at that point they pick up stones and attempt to stone him for blasphemy in, in John chapter 8, verse 59, and John chapter 10, verse 31 through 33. I, I give the passages so people can look it up for themselves. That, sure. That's always the key. Yeah. But not only was Jesus claiming to be God, but the people he was claiming to be God before understood that clearly. Yeah. So when they say Jesus never claimed to be God, I often wonder about that. And I've got four other things we, we jump into. You can jump yeah, in. Yeah, so I, I guess I just want to clarify this because I was listening to some people who, you know, very smart people, PhDs and scholars, biblical scholars, who would say, you're quoting the Bible and the Bible, you know, you've quoted a lot of John especially, and they would put John in this category of being written late and uh, people wrote it pretending to be one of Jesus' disciples so that they could have this kind of reiterate this worldview that Jesus was God so that it brought them power, brought them fame, it brought them position, and and people would listen to them. And they were trying, the Christian faith was flagging, it was failing, and so they write this book to prove that they're, this whole concept of the biblical account, the eyewitness accounts, John especially, is not a reliable resource for history. How do you how do you respond to that kind of thing? Well, I think we've probably addressed that in previous we have, in yeah. previous podcasts. But then again, uh, he uh, Bart. You think about Art Urban, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
often believes that John's written much later yeah. than Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and that he just kind of cleans up for them and kind of then shapes theology. Well, that goes against what we believe with verbal inspiration. We believe mm-hmm. that the, the by, by faith, we believe that the Bible are the very words of God. And the more that you take a look at what Scripture says, the more you see that uh, John isn't cleaning up for Matthew, Mark, and Luke. is simply giving the very same stories and the uh, historical accounts from a different vantage point. Mm-hmm. I also would argue greatly, and others would as well, that are a lot smarter than me in the, the area of textual criticism, that John was not written as late as mm. people believe. What makes him say that? Well, a lot of people believe that John would have, by inspiration, gone ahead and talked about the fall of Jerusalem happening mm-hmm. around, you know, 68, 69, 70 AD, yeah. and yet he doesn't include that, so that would lead many to believe that John was written before that fall sure. occurred. So especially that destruction of the temple, right? that Herod's temple, if that had happened, it would have lent credence to what he was saying, and he would have obviously quoted right, uh, that or talked about correct. that. Correct. You would think that that very character... Uh, very clearly would have been in there. Most uh, textual scholars believe the first gospel written down was Mark, and then closely followed by Luke and Matthew. Uh, the book of Acts is close in there. John yeah. then comes into there as well. And much of that um, clearly before 65 or 60 AD. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's not like, hey, yeah, down the road we decided, let's make Jesus God from the very beginning. Yeah. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke's accounts, by the way, Jesus makes those very same claims. So when yeah. people yeah. like to point to John and say, yeah, he's just cleaning it up at the end. And even if, let's say, that, let's just give them that if they wanted to believe that. There's still enough in Matthew, Mark, and Luke where Jesus claims very clearly to be God. And, and mm-hmm. more things, you have, for example, you have divine titles yeah. that uh, God that Jesus accepts and our, the Bible gives Jesus the first and the last and a number of things. you got divine attributes that only God can have, like being omnipresent, right, and omniscient, knowing everything, and omnipotent, all-powerful, and unchanging. You've got divine works, things that only God can do. Not only uh, you see that in John, but you see that in Colossians. You see that in Mark chapter 2, for example, if you want another passage. Mark chapter 2 verse 5 through 10. Uh, even Jesus' opponents point out that he's doing things, uh, he's claiming to be able to do things that only God can do, like forgive sins. And then, of course, divine worship. There are parts where uh, he's accepting worship as the true Son of God, the Savior, uh, who had come and didn't tell people, oh, no, don't, don't do that. And you have that in passages like Matthew. There's Matthew again. Mm-hmm. Matthew 14, 33, Matthew 28, 9, and 17. So uh, the idea that you have those others, just as we said, divine names, divine claims, divine titles, divine attributes, divine works, and divine worship, I, I think the evidence for Jesus' deity is conclusive. I, mm. I, I always tell people when they say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. Have you read the Gospels? Yeah. Let's take those. I'd like to, because I think as you were talking about each of those, some objections that I've heard popped into my head, and I'd like to just kind of take a few of them. Uh, you talk about divine names. Uh, you talked about the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and last. Jesus refers to himself that way. It comes up again in Revelation. Uh, that's an Old Testament reference. It's in Isaiah. Yeah. Uh, and, but I would hear, I, I hear people saying, objecting, well, Jesus called himself the Son of Man. That was one of the major titles that he gave himself. He called himself that. That doesn't seem to be very divine to me. Well, you'd have to look in the Old Testament how the phrase Son of Man and sometimes Son of David was used. Yeah. Son of Man, if I remember correctly, was actually a, a title for um, the Messiah to come. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of times you just have to know your Old Testament history yeah. and know that the way the title was used back then and Jesus is quoting, I can't remember where he's quoting from. I know Ezekiel uses yeah, that. Yeah. He's, yeah, Ezekiel does, and I, there's another passage that does, that does point out that Son of Man was also a title talking about the promised Savior to come. Yeah, and I think 
to part of what, you know, these titles, what we struggle with is even if son of man, it, Jesus is true, truly and fully human. So we would expect him to find, to say, refer to himself as titles. We would expect him to hear, or we would expect to hear about his mother, about his family, about, yeah, he's a human being too. That doesn't mean he's not God. That's the whole mystery well, of Well, that's the whole Christ. mystery of, of yeah, Christ, is son of man and son of... Son of God. Son of God. Yeah. The, the God-man is a lot of times people will say, and they're always like, well, what are you saying? And of course, that's all seen right away in the beginning when the virgin birth. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think I was just having a conversation with somebody the other day talking about, um, you know, did Jesus, did Mary give birth to God? And that's a weird thing for us to wrestle with. And it, it certainly has been in the church for a long time. Yeah, how would you like to be Joseph <laughs> and Mary herself? Right. I mean, talk about struggles. But I think those are the, the, the where we're coming down today. Jesus is not cut and dried. And I think a lot of people who want to say Jesus never claimed to be God, they want to make Jesus very cut and dried, black and white. And the answer, he fits into this very nice box. He's a great teacher, a great leader, whatever. And Jesus just simply defies that kind of neatness in our minds. Yeah, I, I, again, a lot of people point to the, the gospel, the eyewitness account of Jesus' life and ministry recorded by John, which I would say before 70 AD. Yeah. But I tell a lot of people, listen, if you want great detail, because God uses the personalities and the, mm-hmm. the backgrounds and the education of the people through whom he writes his word, I, I'd go to Luke. Mm-hmm. Just look through Luke. And Luke gives you yep. all yep. of the details you'll need about what Jesus said about himself, what others said about himself, what only he could do as the son of God, what mm-hmm. he did do. Mm-hmm. Finally, you talk about the resurrection, something that all of Christianity hangs on, mm-hmm. right? Jesus mm-hmm. is the only mm-hmm. person who walked on the earth, and we say it all the time here, yep. who predicted his own death and resurrection and three days later pulled it off in front of countless witnesses, yep. most of whom had cried for his blood three days earlier. So uh, whatever he says, yeah, I believe. And I think the resurrection... You come back to that again and again as the anchor point of Christianity. And it's not enough, as many of these scholars would say, it's not enough to say, well, they hallucinated or they they had this well wishes. Come on. That's not – you're not even being serious about the critique of your own position. I know likely when we get closer to Easter, we'll probably do a, a podcast, right, Anthony? Yes, we'll do a podcast <laughs> on – okay, the way people try to explain explain away the, yeah. the, the resurrection and yet – when you take a look at Jesus, certainly his crucifixion and then the subsequent resurrection, it, it is by far among the most, if not the most, verified historical yeah. fact. Yeah. And yet the reason they, they bribe people and they came up with lies is because it really happened. It's the lie that proves the resurrection, yeah. so to speak. Well, yeah, and you think about that whole concept of it's verifiable of a little-known rabbi from a backwater town in, in Israel. Why on earth would his story be told like this? If he was just some guy. You know, and, and you know, if they made it up down the road, I know we're yeah, going to head over. Yeah, why would they pick that up? Why are the women the heroes right, on Easter right, morning? Right. Which is, we'll save that for the end when we, <laughs> when we get to that point. Yeah, for sure. So you talk about divine names, divine um, attributes, divine actions. You talk about a lot about his miracles, right? And some of those raised people from the dead. He healed the blind and the lame. He, I mean, well, he just and he's got the things. testimony of demons, which people, I say, well, why did you tell them to shut up when they yeah, shouted out, yeah, hey, we know yeah. you're the son of God? Because people knew that was a demon talking, and they assumed, well, if the demon says he's the son of God, he must not be. Mm-hmm. And so that's why he told them to be quiet. But yet, when you look at it from another vantage point, the demons knew who Jesus was yeah. right away. Yeah. And not only that, feared him, but asked his permission, can we go into those pigs over there? Yeah, I mean, like like, to, yeah. well, come on. Who has that kind of power over a, a demonic force yeah. except God himself alone? And, and you see all of those six, I would say, items are clear evidences of Jesus' divinity in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So mm-hmm. if you don't like mm-hmm. John for some reason, yeah, 
Take a look at the other three. When it's throughout the scripture, I think of Philippians chapter two, where it talks about yeah. who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Paul is laying out there very clear Christology that Jesus is God. He is equal in every way to God, the father. Um, man, you have, a, you have a lot of explaining to do. If Jesus is not God, man, the rest of the book is just cuckoo town. So let's talk about Jesus is um, Jesus is true God. He is He is who He says He is, and who He displays Himself to be. But now let's take it to today. How does the Jesus follower respond to somebody who kind of throws this out? Maybe they've thought about it. Maybe they're versed in it. Maybe they're educated in it. Maybe they've just heard somebody else say it. But they, you know, they kind of parrot this or, or posit this that Jesus never claimed to be God. As a Jesus follower, how do you walk through that conversation with a person like that? I think, first of all, you, you be patient. Again, be prepared to meet that person where they're at. Now, if they're hostile, maybe wait to have that conversation or that discussion. But I always try, and we, we teach around here the three questions we always ask people to ask others. Greg Kuckel, K-O-U-K-L, in his book Tactics, teaches this, and that is ask people, okay, first of all, what do you mean by the fact that Jesus mm-hmm. didn't claim to be God? What, what do you mean by that? Make sure I understand mm-hmm. so we're not talking past each other or I'm not I'm answering a question you're not asking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the second thing is then how did you how did you come to that conclusion? And oftentimes that's where it ends. People saw it on Twitter, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, or they or they, they heard read their the, college professor say, or, it, or, yeah, yeah, right, or they read the headline of something they saw online, something something like that. So I, I think you want to ask that question: How did you come to that conclusion? And then be prepared to present what the Bible says in in a nice, kind way. The thing that says simply, um, "Hey, this is what God's word says." And I want mm-hmm. you to take a look at it. And that's why I even gave some of the references earlier in the podcast, because I don't want you just to take my word for it. Mm-hmm. Look at it in Scripture. Let Scripture interpret Scripture. Look at the context, mm-hmm. right? Don't take something out of context. Make sure, sure you identify who's speaking, what's being talked about, who's replying. Make sure you know what's going on in that whole issue. And then, uh, you know, maybe you leave the conversation alone for a day or two. Let, let Scripture interpret Scripture. And just put a stone in that person's shoe, so yeah. to speak. Give yeah. that some, something to think about. Let the Holy Spirit use what you gave that person and realize it's going to be a process, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. an instant mm-hmm. necessarily. Yeah, that's good. Thanks for leading us through that. I was listening to a podcast recently about how to help people change their mind. Uh, they were talking politics, but I think this could be a, a really useful place um, ask the person, you know, somebody comes to you, maybe it's at a family gathering or on the weekend or whatever, and they say, Jesus didn't claim to be God. Then ask them, can you help me understand why people would say that he was then? Why would the early people? Because you look at those disciples and none yeah. of them faced. Yeah, what, what benefit was it? Yeah, they didn't <laughs> make money, say, they didn't get famous. Yeah. They were all executed yeah. or exiled or some sort of punishment for their faith. There was no, no upside for them. So why would they make those claims? Why would the Christians by 300 AD, um, why would... Why would Constantine, who became you know the first quote unquote first Christian emperor, what upside would there be for him to continue this? That doesn't make any. There's no, I, I always no think sense of, in that. of Acts chapter two, where where Peter's at Pentecost and he's given his sermon and he's he's talking about the Old Testament because most of his listeners at that time yeah, were Jewish yeah, and yeah. from different parts of the world at that time and in for the celebration and so he's t- he's talking to them and literally he's probably two football fields away. From Jesus' empty tomb. Yeah, yeah. Now, if it had been a hoax, they could have ran over there and simply said, "Yeah, check that out." Yeah, that's all he yeah. did. Yeah, you know, he's still there. Bones are still there, or we we found his body, or whatever. And always just just knowing geography. I think it's someone told me it's about two or three football fields mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. They easily were able to do that. So that I think that was rather interesting. Yeah, and I you know I think of that's a great example in Acts two 
because you find Peter speaking boldly, he says to the crowd, you killed the author of life. Yeah. Just in case you he's forgot. Putting, he's and, putting his life yeah. at risk. You killed him. By the way, he was over there and you killed him. Yeah. Just and, so you know. But God raised him from the dead. This is the same guy who 40 days earlier had been cowering upstairs in a room thinking, I'm going to be the next one to die. Right. Something had to happen for him to have the boldness to talk to people who undoubtedly some of them were still carrying spears, some of them still swords, sure. still clubs, who had arrested Jesus. And he says, you killed the author of life. And the resurrection changes everything. You often hear that. Yep. It yep. changed everything. And in our course here to take uh, to become a partner at St. Mark, I often say in that first hour, listen, if you're a woman or you have children who are females and they're going to grow up someday and want to get mm-hmm. married, you would have never dated, nor would you ever let your daughter date any of the <laughs> disciples before the yeah. resurrection. Yeah. They had all sorts of issues. They were cowards. Some of them had anger management problems. Yeah. You know, yeah. Peter was the guy that acted first and thought second. <laughs> he had a whole bunch of people. Shooting his mouth off. Yeah. yeah. After the resurrection, completely changed. And like your, like your example, now he is brave yeah. knowing that it could cost him his life. Mm-hmm. And he's talking to a crowd that still isn't maybe convinced or still bewildered. No. Yeah, that same crowd that was so hostile to Jesus Correct. is still hanging around and is ready to be hostile to, to Peter. Um, <laughs> you got to explain that somehow. And if not with the resurrection, man, you need some other miracle to, to see how that could flip. Sure. Well, thanks so much for listening in. Uh, we really enjoyed digging into this question and asking it. What questions do you have on the issue of whether or not Jesus is God? And have you had conversations about this question? We'd love to hear from you on our Facebook or Instagram pages. Do you have other questions you'd like for us to talk about, questions of faith or about living faith? Make sure to write on our social pages or email at info at whenfearreigns.com. Just a heads up, uh, we know that college commitment season is on us. Many of you are making big decisions. Episode 28 is going to be talking about how the Jesus follower makes those kinds of decisions. We love to hear about a big decision you have to make. We'd even like to feature you on our show. Make a recording on your phone outlining your decision and all pertinent facts and email it to us. And we'll consider it for use on When Fear Reigns. Make your description about 60 seconds or less if you want to get onto the podcast. Also, you'll notice that your podcast feed over the next several weeks will have some special episodes from us. We were recently able to visit a, a conference called Men of His Word. It's a local Christian conference for men. We were able to speak with most of the presenters there at the conference, and we'll be bringing you uh, conversations we had, interviews we, we had with them as they talk about their ministry and talk about the big idea that they were presenting there. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast uh, so that you don't miss a single one of those special episodes. Thanks to John for your insights, to Anthony for producing our episode today. Uh, hopefully this conversation has helped you make room in life for the fear of God to reign.